Riley Sassy with River. Red River, is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Red River, what is it? Now, I actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Red River, I used to live, um, it was in my backyard. And it was the Red River of the North, not the Red River down in Texas, but the Red River in North Dakota. But you're talking about the Red River in um, Wyoming here. So um, just a little, little bit of history of the name, if you wouldn't mind. Well, to tell you the truth, there's nothing cool about the name. Yeah, we were just having a family argument, and we wanted it to be something simple. And we're like, well, Red River. Yeah, let's do Red River. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I, I think it's genius because not only do you catch the attention of people in North Dakota, but you catch the attention of people in Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, that, was that by design, or was that just basically just the, the, one of the nice offshoots that organically came from the name? Yeah, I would say that it was luck of the draw because, you know, there's 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 pros and cons to all those things. You know, we do catch the attention, like you said, but then the other thing is is there's a billion Red Rivers online. So when you Google it, it's actually kind of hard to find us. So we've had to really work on our keywords, you know, so our name comes up. I get that. So talk to me about those keywords. What are some of the, the things, bullet points, that you want people to know about Red River? And then, you know, of course, transition that into what the services are you offer. So the biggest thing is, and it sounds cliche, but we, we like to say that we care more. And so uh, a lot of what I tell people is that we don't, you know, we don't just bid every single RFP that comes through our office, you know, we, but we're focused on a few larger clients so we can really get in their head and understand their business and uh, bring true value, you know. It's hard to bring value to a thousand people because you got to understand them all, right? And so... Uh, that's been our that's been our strategy is to serve a few larger clients and serve most multiple areas of their business so we can really get in their heads so yeah talk to me about um, that value a little bit you know i mean it's um you're finding success in you know we used to call it the you know velvet glove the white glove treatment to where less client was it jerry Maguire even i think he had a whole movie based on that you know less clients uh, more attention towards the clients, and then he got fired for that. So you're kind of going against the grain here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's not that we're going to turn people down, you know, but we're going to take a really hard look at whether we can bring value. And we, when we meet with a new company to see if, you know, we're going to do some work for them or whatever, we before we even approach and we look at their core values, we look at who they are, we meet some of their people and try to get to know them a little bit and make sure that there's actual chemistry. Because, it, I mean, I, I view it no different than um, if I'm just going to go work, you know, get a nine-to-five job. And I got to like my boss. I got to like who I work for. I got to make sure I have the same core values and I'm going to fit in that company. And so we take a hard look at all that because that's key to make sure that we can make them happy, you know. I know. I and, get it. I mean, it's, it's refreshing, actually, to hear that, that type of... Um, business ethics and value system still is out there today. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we live in an instant oatmeal society where 20% profit isn't even good anymore. It's got to be 120% profit. And that, you know, was a change that happened in the last 10 years very quickly. And so people have become very cutthroat in business. People have become, uh, I like to call them chuck and jivers. It's a term from 
you know, the old 70s WKRP in Cincinnati, there was a, and this is when I was a real little kid. I mean, I'm surprised they even remember it, but there was a salesman, Herb Tarlick, who had like just outrageous sports coats, and he was kind of a chuck and jiver type thing. And um, we were talking a little bit about this before, about how, you know, the industry does a really good job of weeding it out. And I like what you're doing on the upfront side, because really what you're talking about is more of a communication and a coexistence of personalities. Are they going to mesh? Because you know as well as I do that if they don't, you might have a six month to a year business relationship, but it's probably going to end sour. Do you know what I mean by that? Right. Right. Exactly. We try to exercise the foresight a little bit, you know? And yeah. It's, it's, it's really worked well in the long run. I mean, because the thing is, is you got human nature involved, and that's what's, that's what, you know, a lot of these issues, we, we, we like to say that 90% of issues in business come down to people, and people are almost always the solve for any issue. But what I'm getting at is that you have human nature involved, and if, if people don't like each other, and they're forced to pretend like they like each other all the time, it's not going to be as productive and valuable as if they actually do like each other. I mean, it sounds sounds kind of simplistic, but it's a big deal. I think. I mean, I gotta like who I'm working with and enjoy their company and work. You know, at least be on the same same uh, playing field. You know. No, I get that, and you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's hard for some people to conceptualize that or visualize that, probably because they've never taken the walk before. But um, when what you're talking about is not easy. It's not easy because there's there's tough decisions. There's sometimes uh, group votes that might not go in the in, in the way that you want. And uh, what are some of the challenges, I guess, that that, that you've had with this w- with this mission and core that you guys have? You know, making sure that every every deal that you go you do is is a right fit. Because, like you said, this is not an arrogance thing. This is just trying to have a foresight for both sides thing. Well, you know, there's always the deals where, you know, sometimes you have a deal that doesn't go how you want, you end up losing money on it, or, you know, you don't make as good a profit as you hoped and whatnot, but we got to look at that as, like, we're looking, we're playing the long game here, you know. Um, sometimes we miscalculate, and we we got to we got to suck it up and, and keep rolling for the customer, you know. I'd say, I, I suppose that's probably one of the challenges. Um, the other, obviously... The other challenges that come with it internally and externally is that it does narrow the playing field of who you're going to play with. And so, and I, I, uh, it makes our sales cycle really long. So if we take on a new client, uh, we do quite a bit of research on who we're actually going to target. And then, you know, it takes a while to get them on board. And we try to understand um, here's another little challenge that just popped in my head too that comes up is that we we try to um, tailor our uh, whatever you want to call it their, our standard operating procedures to fit theirs as well to an extent right I mean you can't you can't tailor your business to be the same as everybody else's but we try to understand their operating procedures internally so that our our processes at least mesh and like we don't want to make their life harder um, and make more work for them internally and so we spend a little time there and 
understand how they like to see things, even paperwork wise. You know, maybe it's formatting um, the, the quality control books that come with our products. You know, um, but, so it can create a little more work, but we think it pays in the long run. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm kind of switching subjects. If you had a question, I was going to just talk about the getting employees. But sure, yeah, no, I was going to ask you where you're based out of, and and yeah, I'll tell you what. Why don't you start with where you're based out of and kind of your service range, and then you can transition that into employees. You bet. So we're headquartered in Gillette, Wyoming, and we have a shop in uh, North Dakota and Williston as well. Um, right now, we're kind of spread out in Gillette. We've got four different shops and we're working on moving into a bigger one where we can put everything together um our basic model is fab and ship and we back it up with a guarantee that anything we fab that doesn't fit it will get fixed for free and it'll get fixed yesterday so and that's to combat the naysayers on prefab um but otherwise, yeah, we ship stuff all over the place. I mean, we, you know, we're shipping skids to um, Colorado, North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. We've done work in South Dakota. Uh, we've shipped uh, product to uh, Washington State, even um, different places all around. So yeah, how was that it's shipping kind of to Washington? How was that shipping to Washington State? Was there any issues with that? I know they've got some. Um, accelerated regulations on things yeah they do they got insane regulations <laughs> insane or accelerated they both work <laughs> yep um it depends on what it is i mean our product was small enough we you know it, didn't, it wasn't a big deal i mean if you get into overweight and over width and stuff like that in washington they're obviously a little tougher to deal with so ours okay. was more of a specialty technical fabrication for a hydroelectric plant they were putting together okay i see um talk to me a little bit about uh, who your customer is uh what type of products you've made for customers etc like that so we're a skid shop design build skid shop and we work for uh, what we'd like to describe as the larger forward-thinking oil companies so we try to we try to stay away from the accentuated um this is how we've always done it type people uh, and and try to work with the larger outfits that are open-minded to new ideas and things like that because that's kind of our you know we're a bunch of young guys and we, we like a challenge and so and we hate the status quo so everything that we do we're always looking at it to see if there's a better way or a more efficient or more valuable or that's, that's part of the fun you know so I like um, that. Um, we at the crude life, we are very much on the same page of that, and sometimes we find that that scares people, and um, and I I don't, I don't know if it turns them off, but I've been told you know sometimes it comes across as a little aggressive. It comes across as not cocky, but it comes you know it just scares people because, like I said, I don't think they've walked that walk of just you know having a progressive mind and and having an open mind doesn't mean you're gonna land on that it doesn't mean you're gonna you know decide that's the way to go but to even have that open mind um right. have, you, have you have you find that, that that's some companies are a little bit intimidated or a little bit afraid or a little bit standoffish by that mindset 
Well, it's it's, it's uh, not easy to answer without stereotyping, but we've found that <laughs> it's typically the it's typically the smaller outfits that. Um, well, yeah, I'll just stop there. We've we've been very we've been very impressed with some of the larger businesses. That surprises and, me, actually. I would have thought it'd be the flip. Yeah, they just they have a lot of younger talent moving in. I see. With a lot that's, of ideas, and they're that's what yeah, it is. They're, just, they're open to stuff. And the other thing is, is that if we first get them to understand that we're not just chucking ideas at them, and then they're going to be on their own. That's you know that's one thing. But if they can understand that we're going to be there with them, and like when that they install that skid five years from now, if they call us, we're going to be here, and we're going to pull up the old prints, and we're going to understand it and help solve the issue. You know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, we're here gone today, gone tomorrow type of thing. And that when they see that, that helps as well, you know, because we're our goal is the same as theirs is that we want we want um, uptime on the equipment. And so because obviously we're in the same boat there is that if, if we have if we sell a piece of equipment, and they don't have uptime. Um, that means we're going to be out there as well. So we want it to work. Riley Sassy on the line with us with Red River. Uh, you guys have a website? Yes, sir. It's uh, redriver.team. Redriver.team, huh? Yeah. You know, dot-coms are getting more and more rare. I know. I mean, I, I joked to someone the other day. I said the somebody asked me about a website name, and, and it had, a I think, a hyphen in it or something like that. And I said... I would much rather do a sentence than a hyphen, meaning like, you know, this is my website, this was the only thing left, dot com, you know, type of a thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> they well, are yeah, all taken. Just, yeah, a hyphen just kind of says that. Like, if you see a hyphen, you just automatically think that they couldn't find anything. <laughs> well, it's just, it's <laughs> tough because how do you how do you tell somebody, you know, verbalize when you got to say hyphen? It just, it's such a break in the thought yeah. process and everything. So... You know, and people in marketing know what I'm talking about. People who have hyphens in their website are probably small business owners, and, and they're like saying, "Oh, it works fine," and it does. It, it works fine. You know, it's on a website, and people will type it in. But it's just an extra step. That's all. So, dot team. I've never even heard of dot team. I've heard of dot us. I've heard of dot ca. dot gov. How dot uh, team? That's an interesting. Um, ta- well, I don't yeah, know. I mean, dot dot you know. whatever they're called suffix. We could have got a we could have got a dot com, but you know it was um, it was back when the dot coms were already starting to get used up, and we could have got it. But I just thought, well, why fight it? Why not let's get something memorable, something that's a little more modern than that, you know? So um, I thought, what if there's a dot team? And sure enough, it was there, and so we went with that. And it's um, yeah, it's easy to remember. So it is. Um, I I remembered it, and it's. Uh it's different. It's 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 progressive. It's exactly what it is. It's it's. Um, I think it's very intuitive the way things are going. I was just having a conversation about how uh, there's such a push for teams these days that it's it, even in schools you don't sit in an individual desk anymore. You sit in tables with teams of people. And um, right. So it's it's the way of the future, man. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your aspirations. Are you guys? Um, you know, the Rocky Mountain region, it sounds like that's what you're servicing right now. Are you looking, you know, you said Washington, but are you looking at some of the other shale plays like down in Texas or Oklahoma or anything? You know, not yet. Uh, 
we are uh, fairly aspirational, so I guess it could change pretty easy. But right now we're just focused on the Bakken and Powder River and the DJ. And so, uh, but we've got a lot of growing to do, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We we want to grow um, in terms of technology as well. So, you know, we're looking at robotics and things like that. And we think that um, we don't want to get geographical growth in, in front of expertise. And so right now, you know, we grew a lot in the first five years. We doubled our revenue almost every year. And then we decided that we're going to focus on internal growth for a little while here and throughput. And then uh, we'll see what the next chapter brings, you know. What can you talk so, to me about the robotics part? Is that, um, I mean, it sounds like it's in a, a discussion phase, or is there something that's even, do you got something in the shop already? Or talk to me a little bit about robotics. Nothing in the shop yet. We're still trying to decide which product to go with, but basically it's it just comes down to com- competitiveness, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, all, you know, these big companies, the big outfits um, are uh, going to fab on all their facility builds. And we've been, we like to think we've been part of it. And we have, we've been, we work for several larger companies through the transition from, you know, on-site build to prefab and bolt up. And um, as people get on board, you know, the numbers get driven down. And so we've got to find ways to, uh, stay on top of it and really that's what robotics comes down to and so and part of it is is just um you know the workforce is always changing and we feel like it fits with the workforce and that as well and so yeah it's a step in the right direction but we you know we also just got our asme stamps last year and so we're doing a lot of vessels and uh, that that opened up a lot of doors for us too but we're trying to focus more and more on more technical complex skid projects so well the thing about robotics that gets me is it reminds me of a conversation i had this week with a, a gentleman in the uas drone industry and with robotics right now there's so many different directions you can go it's hard to focus and that's what that's kind of what i interpreted from what you were saying you know what direction where the profits at where the marketplace is where the need is um and this drone guy I was talking to, he said, I've sat in more meetings where I've talked myself out of a close because you can do so much with them. The other person, they don't have any focus. You know, the, the, the client that he's, that he's pitching with these drones, they don't know what to do with it. They just know they need to do it. And so if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, um, mm-hmm. it, the, the, you can talk yourself out of a close really fast. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, yeah, Yeah. we can do it, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. But then all of a sudden, you know, reality starts setting in and people start realizing, okay, let's just scrap this and go from square one or whatever the case is. Do you know what I mean by that? Are you experiencing that at all? There's just so many options and so many directions that go in robotics that it almost seems like you just have to focus before you can take that next step? Well, some of it, I mean, you know, to a, to a degree, but really, I mean, our if we if we look at what we're trying to achieve, what our deal is, is we need consistency in production. You know, we 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 got to eliminate um, busts and welds, basically. So okay. We 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 just we're evaluating the different products against that. You know, which is the are they user friendly? You know, how long does it take to train our guys to run them? You know, and how consistent they are. And then what's funny, we're also discovering, this is a little different deal, what we're discovering is that some of the weld procedures are so advanced that 
um, some of the customers we're actually going to have to do a fair amount of teaching because they're not um, they're not up to speed like they're a little bit ahead of their time you know they're, they still have a lot of stick and, and wire procedures in their systems and so even though even though these may be higher quality better procedures they're new and, and people don't have their heads wrapped around them yet so there's actually going to be a little bit of, of that once we once we get set up. That's pretty exciting. Do you, is there? Do you guys have a timeline in mind? I know it's still discussion phase, but I imagine you're you know a year, two, five years. Oh no, we're real close. We'll have we'll be we'll be rolling stuff through the shop, and we'll we'll have some robotics set up by the end of the year. Oh great! Okay, so, that'll yeah. be fun to. Well, keep... our big our biggest issue we haven't done it right now is just we don't have enough room. We're, we've outgrown all our shops, and so we're, once we get consolidated and moved into a new location, then we'll be able to get it going. So Okay. Uh, what else you got going on the horizon in terms of innovation? Are you guys looking at anything else, or is there anything that's really helped your, you know, your business from the innovation side of things in the last few years? Innovation-wise, I suppose just uh, keeping track of the market and where it's going. I mean, nothing too complicated there. Um, you know, there's always a steady stream of new technology that we can use uh, in the business. Um, but our our biggest focus has always been and probably always will be is on the people, just because that's your lifeblood and we like people. And uh, we spend a lot of time and energy and technology on on our company culture and, and promoting our team, you know. I feel like that's where... You can spend your spend your dollars for the best bang for the buck. All right, I'd like to give guests the final word. Uh, if there's something that we didn't talk about, or something they want to reiterate, or even if they want to give a good chili recipe, whatever, I'll just kind of let people go with whatever direction they want to go on the final question. That way, the, the um, it's not directed or framed by me, if you will. So the floor is yours, sir. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it, man. We pretty well covered it. I, I guess the only other thing I'm thinking about is just what I was talking about a minute ago is company culture. Um, I think we the industry has a big challenge in front of them with this whole baby boomer thing. And so that's been a big focus of ours is how are we, how are we communicating? How are we attracting people to our industry? And what are we doing to keep them happy and wanting to stay in, you know, the trades and doing the things we do because there's I like to tell the guys that there's no shortage of good ideas and new inventions nowadays but there is a shortage of people who want to do the work and so we've got to figure that part out and now when you're talking about the baby boomers you're referring to the big retirement happening over the next three years um, where yeah. something like 70% of the industry will be retired by 2022 2023 something like that i've heard it called the big crew shift is another yeah. shift or the shift change or crew change i guess um i can't remember the exact wording but i've heard it called the the big shift crew change and then the retirement issue um that's what really what we're talking about here right yeah i mean we've we've seen numbers you know ten thousand people a day are retiring and things like that and i've I've done a fair amount of research even just on the number of businesses that owners will be exiting or or liquidating or or things like that from that generation and you look at the retired assisted living industry and it's just exploding right now you know so those are all indicators that um 
anybody who isn't focusing on culture and and taking care of their people and and making working sexy again is uh is going to be in big trouble in five years they're not going to have anybody to work for them i think i i I agree i I totally agree that that is a, a big thing is workplace culture um the reason i keep doing what i do and whether i'm you know, making money or not. And there's a lot of times where I'm not making any money. Um, It's because I love what I do. I really enjoy what I do. I like having, you know, um, community events and barbecues and and, uh, churches come on and talk and, you know, interviews like yourself, that sort of thing that want to help promote this type of thing. I do it because I I just love the essence of capitalism that the energy industry uh, continues to deliver and it goes back to the purpose part. I think if you can connect with somebody's purpose, you can make work fun. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, man. We'll give that website out one more time. Redriver.team. 